Welcome, spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Hello, all you spooky guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It is I, it's Jen, your interim-only host, while Kate is resting and not dying. Uh, So for this episode, we had, or I had, a chat with Ian from the 13 podcast. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I learned about their podcasts, and we talked about spooky, scary stories, and all that good stuff. Uh, And after our conversation, I'm going to post the first episode of their podcast so you can check it out for yourself and see how you like it. One word of warning, uh, my audio is terrible for this uh, first conversation part because Zoom hates me and now we are sworn enemies. So there's that, but I hope you still enjoy the conversation. We had a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy the episode, and I hope if you like what they do, you go and subscribe to 13, wherever podcasts are found. So check it out. All right. Hello, spooky team. Um, That's a weird thing to call you. I don't usually call you that. Hello, everyone. This is Jen from This Podcast is Haunted. Uh, Without Kate, again, uh, we are continuing our tour of interviewing random fascinating people in the world of spookiness. Um, And today I am joined Uh, by Ian from the podcast 13 or the 13 podcast. He is one of a four person team and they make audio spooky audio dramas that release uh, every month on the 13th of the month. Is that right? That's right. Tell us a little more about your podcast. Sure. Yeah, we do um, spooky, atmospheric kind of radio dramas, audio dramas. Uh, They release once a month. They're feature length, uh, fully produced slow burn atmospheric spooky stories yeah so that's that i think from my experience that's a perfect way to describe it welcome thank you Uh, hi (laughs) i just was like please produce content right now before (laughs) even saying hello to everyone (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah i um we are gonna as a little treat for you all post the first episode of their podcast and I listened to it again today to get ready um, to talk to you. And I have to say, it gave me anxiety because it's so excellent. <laughs> it's just beautifully produced. It's got like, uh, it had like beautiful piano under it. And the, the narrator was just so smooth. And I was just like, this is like relaxing and also just intensely like, anxiety creating at the same time so good job thank you we have an amazing music guy he's incredible mm-hmm. so let's 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 dig into uh i guess uh like what inspired you to uh start this podcast well this is our second show we did one before called olive hill it's a quick seven run or seven episode short run show audio drama same general format mm-hmm. um I've written as long as I can remember, and I, uh, through a previous project, fell in with a couple of people that are on the team now, and mm-hmm. this just kind of developed. We were all getting into sort of that early generation of audio dramas like Limetown and The Black Tapes. Oh my and, god, I love both of those. <laughs> oh, I know, they're great, right? Yeah. And, um you know, the, the, the excellent thing about podcasting is it's a low barrier to entry, right? And mm-hmm. um, we just decided this is a format that I think we could we could do something with. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating how, um, like, in this technology day and age, we're kind of returning back to the OG, like, radio drama. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really cool. And how, I like, you can prove that audiences don't really need like a ton of CG or really fancy visuals to get into a story if it's just really told well. Yeah. That's really cool. Fewer... Uh, so you, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was say fewer <laughs> commitment of senses, you know, you don't have to, to use as many. You can get around, get up and go. I think if it's well made, like with the, like how you do with the music and the sound design, it just really makes you feel like you're really immersed in it. Um, so that's pretty cool. So you said you came in as kind of a writer. Is that kind of your background and your passion? Yeah, it has been. Um, I've always liked, I've always liked writing character-driven stories. 
Um, mm-hmm. I didn't always do scary stories. I liked, um, I don't know, just kind of dramas and, and stuff like that. When I was a kid, my mom always read scary books like Stephen King and Dean Kuhn stuff. And mm. I saw those laying around everywhere. And of course, I read the Goosebump books, right? But mm-hmm. um, as far as I knew, all books were scary books because that's all she wrote. And <laughs> I mean, there were kids books, right? Uh, but yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to write kids books. I wanted to write grown up books. Mm-hmm. So all grown up books in my mind were scary. So I just scared the living shit out of myself trying to come mm. up with scary stories. And um, when I finally figured out that there were non-scary adult books, I didn't write a single scary thing for, and when I say write back then, we were just saying real loose writing, but yeah. um, um, I didn't make up another scary story for probably 20 years um, mm. because it was just nice to not scare myself at night. In real life, I'm a big scaredy cat, so... That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I know a lot of people who are like really into like the paranormal or paganism, but like are still like really terrified of like a good horror. Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so if, so that's really. Uh, I come from kind of the opposite experience where my mom was kind of like, what spooky things? No, no. And I was like, kind of like, you know, under my covers at night with mm-hmm. my flashlight and like reading the, the spooky stories and feeling like it was a very like taboo to talk about. That's fascinating that your mom was kind of the opposite. I feel like she's one of us. That's very exciting. I know, right? <laughs> How did that really affect your life and your kind of beliefs? Like you obviously were exposed to a lot of, uh, like scary stories in in your real life mm-hmm. would you say you're more of a believer more of a skeptic like what, where do you fall in that spectrum i have i have a lot of mixed feelings about it um i'm very i'm very literal minded in my real life mm-hmm. you know um i w- i grew up um a really really staunchly evangelical family and um um uh, kind of came away from that in my 20s. And um, um, I don't know, I have, I have a mixed, I have mixed feelings about the, uh, uh, the unseen, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. If it weren't for, and it's the one thing that, you know, we're kind of, kind of going to talk about here in a bit, but if it weren't for this one thing, I would definitely probably not believe in anything. But because I can't explain this one thing, I don't. I don't really know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I personally am, like kind of an. I would say an open-minded skeptic. One line that I pulled from the episode that we're going to share is describing someone as a ghost enthusiast, and I really love mm, that. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think that kind of perfectly describes my experience and also I think the experience of a lot of people who listen to our show where it's like you know like we don't really know what to believe I think there's definitely some ghost stories that are complete bullshit you know you have mm-hmm. your Amityville horror and stuff like that yeah. that's been like pretty thoroughly debunked um but then there's just like we we get a lot of um listener submitted stories and those are the kinds of stories that you know you hear them and you just think well, clearly this person really believes what they saw. And I feel like, you know, like they don't really have a good reason to lie. And I think if, like, if I were in that position and I had experienced what they're describing, then 100% I would be a full believer. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of just have to take on faith, like the stories that people are sharing. And then I did have like a couple small experiences and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm willing to kind of throw my hat over this fence here and okay. <laughs> kind of, you know, say that like loosely and very kind of skeptically, I believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like, it's that thing where people will tell you a story and you, there's a difference between lying and believing it, but it not being true. Right. So mm-hmm. like, um, I think you can hear those stories in good faith. Right. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, this person, I don't think they're lying as in they're not intentionally telling me something they don't believe. I think they 100% believe what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, 
you know, what other explanations might be out there. But at the same time, I live an hour away from Waverly Hills and Mm. there's, there's a whole lot of stuff there that just, no matter what, you just can't really explain it. And, and you can't explain it either way. So I I like that idea of like an open-minded skeptic. I like that. That's a good Mm -hmm. phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're just uh, giving each other good good phrases here. I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can you can tuck that one away. All right, thank you. <laughs> you can keep mine too. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, t- speaking of like scary stories and and stuff that you've written and and those books that you've read, uh, what is it that you're really drawn to? I find that some people kind of have like a certain thing that is either like the most terrifying thing to them or is like what they are the most interested in. And what, mm. what would you say that is? A good haunted house. Yeah. Oh, bless. Thank yeah, you. That's, I, a, that's the right answer. Uh-huh. You know, the, when it comes to like scary stories, we're really just telling the same like eight stories over, right? You got your yeah. haunted houses, you've got your spiritual stuff like possessions or demons, you've got um, your real life psychopath kind of stuff there's there's eight templates out there really you know and it's finding yeah. a new way to tell those stories but yeah the haunted house is the one that gets me every time mm-hmm. give me a good spooky haunted house like in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. make it foggy as heck and just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> leave me alone yeah it's both terrifying but also just like it's like comfort food scary yeah speaking we've kind of danced around uh your podcast and what the you know the episode talks about and, and kind of your experience and your stories you you told me that you have a story that yeah. has to do with this episode so do you wanna yeah the one and only i guess real life story that i i think could fall in the supernatural category that i you know can't explain have no way and when i say i can't explain it, there might be i don't know i don't know but we'll get into it so um it's a uh, it's kind of dramatized in the first episode when uh, our main character comes home and um, there's a someone comes home that he believes is his mom and then his mom comes home directly after them and uh, and yeah. what that came from was when I was I was a kid I was in middle school or high school like eighth grade or ninth grade it was that weird little transition that no one has a good time in Mm. (laughs) and i'm home alone this is probably uh this is probably 1996 1997 so this is like kind of late latchkey period yeah i'm about the same age okay yeah so this is like this is trl this is trl time time yeah yeah. i might have actually been watching it um when she came home. So what happens is the garage door, I hear it go off, right? Mm-hmm. So she, I hear I hear the sound of her car pull into the garage. You know, all those sounds that you hear. And um, uh, the door opens. My mom walks in. She puts these bags of groceries down on the countertop. She says hi. I kind of say hi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I distinctly remember the sound of her keys, right? So she puts her keys down on the yeah. counter. And she walks back down the hallway where like the bedrooms and the bathroom where it was like a ranch style house. Sure. And then I hear the garage door open and then I hear the (laughs) car pull in and then my mom walks in, puts the groceries down, puts the keys down and says, hi. Oh. And that's kind of, yeah, that's what, that's what happened. And that happened twice, Mm -hmm. um, about two years apart. Oh my gosh, that's so, that's like, you know, some people call it like, oh, it's a glitch in the matrix. Exactly, thing. yeah, it's it's an exact, the exact concept, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, it was it was right there. It was like right back to back. So like there was no, this wasn't ten minutes later. It was like she leaves mm-hmm. the room and then the garage door opens. Um, yeah what like at that moment are you like wait like and then you go run to the room to see if she's there i I was like i don't know i was looking at her and i was thinking you know because like the you can come in the garage door and then the front door was kind of back that way Mm. but 
so I, I think I thought like maybe I wasn't paying attention and she went out the front door and came back. So I was like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's been 20 years, so I don't know. But it, I, I might have said something like, did you come in and, or that was weird yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I made a big deal of it because I thought it was probably just uh, in my head. There's a decent chance that I was pretty high too, given that time. <laughs> <laughs> I liked, um, um, oh, okay. you know, on the way home from school, we used to, uh, you know, but... But yeah, it wasn't um, um, it wasn't anything that would be explained by that. It was, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were just smoking pot. It wasn't like we were doing any like hardcore hallucinogens. Yeah. <laughs> not tripping on LSD. So, yeah, I was probably trying not to interact with her as much as I could because of that. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, and then it happened again a couple of years later, almost exactly the same scenario i might have been like in the kitchen instead of like on the couch in the living room but um pretty Mm. much the exact same thing happened again and i think that time i did mention it and she was just kind of like well that's weird no that didn't happen and just kind of went on with what she was doing and that's it there's you know there's no tidy Mm. wrap-up there's no explanation there's no what did that mean it just it happened and then Mm -hmm. It was a thing, and then it wasn't. Yeah, I've often, uh, I've, I feel like I've been getting that sense that you know, real go, real people's like ghost stories, like they're, they, I mean, obviously life is not as poetic as you know literature or film, and there isn't like, you don't always get the explanation of what's going on. You don't ever yeah, know. Yeah. There's no like kind of resolution to it. Uh, so yeah, it kind of makes me feel like you know the. The couple of experiences I have, it's like I'm like, oh, what is it? And it's like I I saw something fall off a shelf, and I can't mm-hmm. explain it. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. not really exciting. But the more you think about it, the more it kind of like just tugs at your brain, and you're just like, yeah, oh man. <laughs> so. You know, like uh, someone once someone once said it could have been, and I don't know that I believe in this at all, but um, like some kind of dimensional rift or something. Mm. but I don't know that that's a thing I really believe in. I think I'd be more likely to believe in ghosts before dimensional rifts. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, with our kind of, I don't know what kind of like religious background you come from, but like a lot of the Western world is kind of more spiritual in a Judeo Christian way. And like, Mm -hmm. if you, if you're brought up to believe in kind of an afterlife and a lot of other religions do too. um, But I think that's where a lot of the belief in the spirit world comes from is is rooted in like our also religious views like this is what happens to you when you die that kind of thing yeah i don't know how, how that explains like your mom coming in twice but... i don't either yeah <laughs> that's strange but that's the beauty of it right that's the you know mm. if it if it was if it was knowable that it wouldn't be the unknown and it wouldn't be supernatural mm. if it was something we could explain as natural and um I don't know. That's kind of the that's kind of the fun, I think. Yeah, I think that's why people just keep wanting these stories, um, and keep tuning in to different stuff that talks about it. Because I think we just it's just fun, you know. Yeah. It's just fun to to experience these stories and just to like get that little chill down your spine. Definitely. Are there any other like standout um, like story or episodes from your podcast that? Um, you really liked the story or the concept or like that you found particularly scary or just that you really liked how they came together? Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's a few, every, every episode I really like, um, so far they've all been written by me. The one coming out this month will be the first one that was written by Brooke and, and not by me primarily. Um, but the so the first episode's a two-parter. So in my mind, it's one episode, but I guess it's technically mm-hmm. episode three, which in my mind yeah. is the second episode. But <laughs> that one is the, that's a fun kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a teen angst kind of story. Mm. But it um, it takes a lot of the very, very hyper-religious and fixated on the end of the world 
stuff that my church was involved in oh. in uh, back in the 90s like yeah. the whole left behind book stuff and mm-hmm. when that was a big yeah deal. I remember that episode now I was like yeah and it um it's the one that we get a lot of that's the if people talk about an episode and they're not just mm-hmm. talking about like spooks and chills because that one that, that's not a conventional like horror episode in my mind mm-hmm. um but it's the one that tends to stick out with people because when the twist happens it happens fast and um the character building of that one is something that was a lot of fun shelby scott from scary to sleep joined us for that one mm-hmm. and um brooke and shelby just work so well together so they're 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 bouncing off each other. Um, just it, it just played so well. It's it's really memorable. It's good. Yeah. Awesome. If you had to, this is just kind of like unrelated to anything we've been talking. Well, besides just general scary stories, but okay. I'm just curious. If you had to pick one favorite horror movie, what would it be? Oh man. Um, ah. <laughs> <sighs> If it's just a single standalone movie, um, oh, that's so hard. I think it would be, um, I think it would be a movie called Oculus. Um, oh, with um, Karen Gillan. Yeah, uh, from Doctor know, Who. I forget his name too. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't matter because Karen Gillan's in it. And it's Karen Gillan. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's so good. It's a, it's kind of a haunted mirror episode mm-hmm. where this mirror is trying to destroy you, which, which I'm gonna describe it. And it's gonna sound so stupid, but it's so good. Oh, um, I mean, I, yeah. You've seen it. I have seen okay. it, um, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So it's this mirror that is apparently ancient and haunted and evil, and it, uh, the two characters blame or well. Karen Gillan's character blames mm-hmm. the mirror for killing their mother. Or both was it yes. both their parents or was it just the mother? I don't know. It's been a few years since yeah. I've seen it, but definitely something they don't have any parents, I think. I think Yeah, I think so probably died, both. So. And um the brother is skeptical. But the the thing I love about the movie is how disorienting it is. Yeah, I, I don't think I can say much more without without getting into some real spoiler territory, but Yeah. Um but it's so good and it's such a good movie and it it's so upsetting at certain points but it's not like it's not gory it's not gross i don't like gory movies i don't like i like me neither i, I like a good spooky haunted house you know mm-hmm. yeah. um ghosty kind of thing and this isn't exactly that but but it's really good mm-hmm. yeah i think um what what i'll say is that it plays off the idea of a mirror being reflective and it kind of disorients you in a way where you're not really sure what what you're looking at and what's happening if it's real or not yeah well the way the way it drags you down those those storylines and then just jerks you back is Mm -hmm. so good and Mm -hmm. it's done so clever i think that was was that mike flanagan i think he did that didn't he that I don't know, but I think he's um, the same guy that did House uh, Haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay, yeah. I, could, I might be one hundred percent wrong, and if I am, I'm so sorry to whoever actually made that. If movie. it is, don't correct but... us. That's fine. <laughs> we we talk bullshit on the yeah. show all the time. All right, cool. We we fucked up Robert the Doll in our like our second episode. So oh my god, but we oh, we don't hear right. about that anymore. But. <laughs> <laughs> said something stupid like it was the inspiration for annabelle and it's like there's a real annabelle (laughs) (laughs) it's fine (laughs) these things happen (laughs) we only got angry emails for like a couple months that's good yeah (laughs) don't send don't send don't send angry emails to podcasts don't do yeah just just politely correct yeah (laughs) yeah just you know it's okay to correct but you don't have to be mad about it yeah, I feel like that's probably the benefit of doing like a scripted audio dramas. You you probably don't have to worry about bullshitting and it's a and whole say different wrong. It's a whole different type of bullshitting though, because it's like it's like oh well, I'm a I'm an audio tech at God. We had somebody who works at like an actual studio, 
He's like, and I could, I could really hear the rough edits in this. It's like, yeah, because you're a goddamn professional at a studio. Yeah, get off our back. And this is my eighth episode. So yeah, I'm sure you did hear something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but so it's a, it's a different level of thing. I think it's the same, it's the same exact type of person, just um, taking it a different direction. Well, to be fair, I think I would have also been pissed if I had known the truth behind <laughs> If I had thought about it for like five minutes, I would have been like, no, obviously I'm wrong. But, you know, these things happen. Yeah, and so I don't blame anyone who angrily emailed us because I would have been one of them. Well, and you're not scripting um, it. You know, you don't have five minutes. So, yeah, sometimes we do take a long pauses and Google things. Too. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're not going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, this is all, that was all just a bunch of podcast talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, I know, is there um, anything else about um, your podcast, about writing scary stories and spooky, scary skeletons? Yeah, I think, talk about? I think the thing about writing, and it goes for any genre, you know, if you write good characters, you can have those characters do anything and people will be interested if you're if you're trying to write something just focus on good characters and then have those characters bump into each other and they'll they'll tear they'll tell the story themselves if you try too hard to uh um to do a specific thing or you want to what what irritates me is when you can tell that someone's really trying to force a point right um, and it's mm-hmm. it's probably something that's very very deeply held and 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 means something to that person and and that's valuable, but you have to make that work within the story that you're yeah. telling. Uh, and if you don't, then you're not making that point well, and you're also not telling a good story. So um, that's what we try and do. So um, yeah, we try and make good characters bump into each other and do and see some spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when and you know the benefit of writing fiction is you can just really make it as scary as you want. Yeah, you just make it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note, I think this is a great way to segue into. We're just gonna tag your first episode right into it. So if uh, have a listen, uh, I hope you all like it. Uh, it gave me some some spooks and chills. And if you like it, please uh, check out uh, 13th Podcast and subscribe and check out the second half of the story because it's a two-parter and we're only going to post the first part. So you have to follow them to find the, the rest of the story. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the first episode of 13. This is part one of House in the Highlands. You probably have an idea of what most paranormal investigators do, and by and large, you're probably right. You probably think it's a pretty even split between charlatans and people gullible enough to believe anything. Again, you're pretty spot on. But that's not what me and Leah do. She's my partner. In fact, I'm not convinced that Leah and I have ever worked in actual haunting. That doesn't mean that we don't believe in ghosts or that we're skeptics out here trying to disprove the whole field, no. No, we're both true believers. And we've both experienced what we're sure are hauntings in our own lives. It's what brought us together. We just haven't encountered it again professionally. We've actually managed to rule it out in most of our cases and found alternate explanations for what the client was experiencing. One client, a few years back, kept finding creepy doll clothes and kids' clothes all around their house. They were covered in mud and looked like they'd been buried and dug back up. The client didn't have kids. No kids ever came to the house. No doll collection, nothing like that. Leah noticed they did have a cat door built into the garage, so she drove around the neighborhood and found an eviction site. A couple of blocks over, there were a bunch of kids' clothes, toys, including dolls and doll clothes. They were all out on the curb getting rained on, getting muddy. 
the cat had been dragging them back in and hiding them around the house. A few years before that, a similar case where items were being moved around the house with no explanation, and it turned out to be a case of early onset Alzheimer's. It was good work and we tell our clients up front, it's usually not ghosts. And they're not hiring us to find a ghost, they're hiring us to solve a problem. And we usually do. But it's never ghosts. Well, almost never. We flew back to my hometown for a quick one night job. It was supposed to be simple. Go to the house, do our thing, get to the hotel, sleep for a few hours and get back on a plane to LA the next morning. It was a $10,000 job for one night of work. That didn't include hotel and travel, but still, it's a good job. Our flight began its descent over southern Indiana. We looked down as we crossed the Ohio River, and just like that, I was back in Louisville. This is the first time I've come home since I left for L.A. about 10 years ago. We landed late in the day. The sun would be setting soon. We stepped out of the terminal and waited for our bags. There were TVs hanging on the walls, tuned to local news stations. Two news anchors were reporting a breaking story. A fire had broken out in Museum Tower. The anchors cut to a reporter live from Market Street. She said that the fire started a few minutes ago. The news crew was already there to cover a new exhibit opening on the first floor of the museum complex that gave the skyscraper its name. The footage cut away again, this time from a camera looking up at the skyscraper from the sidewalk below. The reporter's voice continued over the footage of the tower. There was nothing to see. From the outside, everything looked fine. No smoke, no visible flames. The fire must have been relatively small or deep within the interior of the building. The museum complex that took up the first few floors of the building was evacuated, and authorities were still trying to confirm whether there was anyone further up in the building. The news crew wasn't sure where exactly the fire was within the skyscraper. The camera's angle pivoted down from the upper floors of the tower and back to the street level where fire trucks, police cars, and ambulances were arriving. With no other information, the reporter turned the story back over to the anchors in the studio. Museum Tower was a big deal in Louisville back when I still lived here. Construction on the skyscraper started just before I moved to LA. A lot of effort had been focused on rebuilding the city's downtown and the announcement of a new 60-story black glass skyscraper, 20 floors taller than the previous tallest building, well, it's big news for a city that hadn't seen a new high-rise in 25 years. The plan was for Museum Tower to be the centerpiece of a new arts and culture district. The bottom three floors would be host to several new museums and art galleries. High-end restaurants and nightlife would fill out the rest of the ground floor. The rest of the tower would be offices. The plan had more or less worked. Not only did the new tower turn out to be a hub for arts and culture, but other buildings nearby began to rent out space to the same kind of businesses. The entire area had been transformed. I looked around the baggage claim and I noticed other people were fixated on the news coverage too. We got our things and we walked out of the airport past the famous how to pronounce it sign that affirms that any pronunciation of the city's name is acceptable except for the logical one. Leah and I called a car and we checked into our hotel. I'm gonna try to take a quick nap. Meet you in the lobby in an hour? Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, that's me. All right, see you in a bit. Leah and I met online in 2005. 
three years before my mom and sister were killed. She was an amateur ghost hunter and I, I was a ghost enthusiast. We were both in high school. She was in LA and I was living here. I read everything I could find on the paranormal and she snuck into abandoned buildings that looked spooky and haunted. We posted in the same groups and after a while we just started messaging each other directly. I got her into some of the old southern gothic legends and she sent me photos and videos from her adventures. It was 2005 so it was shot on those shitty old digital cameras, but she sent me at least one video a week. Sometimes she was with friends, sometimes she was alone. And she would narrate them, explaining what I was seeing and sometimes just thinking out loud for me to hear. I got to know Los Angeles through Leah's eyes. And she inspired me to go explore the abandoned places in my city too. She never encountered anything that we thought to be an actual haunting. Nothing that rose to the level of the urban legends and the ghost stories that I'd researched and told her about. But I told her about how different cultures protected themselves from the paranormal. And I started to notice that she was taking some of those things along with her on her spooky adventures. Like I said, even though she'd never actually found anything, she was still a true believer. And it eased my mind knowing that she was doing something to protect herself. I didn't think she would actually encounter a haunting. Not in the places she was looking. Because I had a secret. I'm a true believer too. And I don't know why I waited so long to tell her that I grew up and still live in a haunted house. It had been that way since I was a kid. I waited about a year to tell her and by that time it felt like a betrayal. By that time, it felt like I was keeping a part of myself from her. And that was a problem because she had become one of my best friends. My family lived outside the city in a little suburb called Prospect. It shares a border with Louisville. It feels like a small town. It hugs a curve in the Ohio River. It's a cute little place. It was just me and my mom and my sister. It's hard to tell when it began. It was never like you see in the movies. There were no ghosts popping out at me. It was more complicated. Like when I was a kid and all of a sudden I couldn't find my mom. I would be scared and crying and then she'd come walking out of a closet or, or a crawl space under the stairs, walking with all the purpose of someone coming in the front door. It didn't register then, but, but that's weird, right? There's something unnatural about that. Sometimes I'd find my sister staring at a blank television screen, seemingly enthralled with a show that wasn't there. Then there was this recurring nightmare. So my mom used to leave the hall light on for me and my sister, and she left the door to our bedroom cracked open. Later on, when she went to sleep, she'd come back around and she'd turn off the hall light and she'd close our door. In my dream, I would be lying there, staring at the crack of light on the floor, and then I'd watch it get wider, like the door was opening. I looked over to the door and I would see a strange old woman standing there, smiling a sinister grin, looking right at me. I'd watch her, frozen, I don't know for how long. 
And then she'd step into the room and she'd slam the door behind her. And that's when I woke up. But I woke up in a pitch black room. So I would lay there, not sure if it was a dream or if it was real, and I still don't know. Once my sister and I woke up to the smell of smoke, my mom was already out in the living room looking around. The smell was strong, it was really strong. We asked her what was going on and she didn't know. We went back to our rooms while she went out front to see if it was another house on the streets. We watched her from the window, walking away from us, looking up and down the road, putting her hands on her hips. And then she turned around and she could see it. And as soon as she could see it, we could see it. The smoke that was filling the house. I felt my mom's arms around me before I could move. The fire truck showed up as soon as we were spilling out into the front yard. A neighbor had called 911. Neither me or my sister could remember doing it. But there was a fork in the outlet behind the curtains. And I know I saw a burn mark on my sister's hand. She never got in trouble. We knew she didn't mean to do it. And here's the one that I couldn't ignore or rationalize away. When I was older, in middle school and high school, I'd be home alone after school. I would hear the keys in the door. I'd hear the door open. My mom would come in with groceries in her arms. I would say hi and she would say hi back. I remember hearing the sound of crinkling bags and her keys dropping on the table. She'd ask how my day went. And just then I would hear the sound of keys in the door. I turned to look and I'd see my mom coming in again. I looked back to the kitchen and the woman I'd just been talking to, the one that looked like my mom, she was gone. This happened a few times a year. By and large, life was pretty normal, and we were happy. Life was just punctuated by these, these interruptions. But around the time Leah and I met online, things were getting worse. Those moments, those interruptions were happening to me almost every day. All these little deviations from reality were compounding and it felt like it was escalating towards something. I made excuses not to come home right away after school, but that didn't matter. It was patient. On those days I couldn't get away, I would dread five o'clock and the sound of keys in the door. And it was almost worse when the ghost didn't impersonate my mom because then I was never quite sure. I think I didn't tell Leah right away because I saw how people in those groups talked and I didn't want to sound like some guy just bullshitting her. But also because I wasn't sure that it wasn't all in my head. I finally told her in my senior year of high school when I was about to graduate. And she wasn't mad. She didn't think I was bullshitting her. Right away, she went into the mode of a skeptic. 
which by the way is the right thing to do in this situation because you have to rule out the normal before you jump into the paranormal. But anyway, she was always good at that. What have you done to test out whether or not it's real? I don't know. Nothing, I guess. Have you considered that this might be something else? Something mental? Yeah, it's occurred to me, but... But it only happens at home. If it was in my head, wouldn't it happen everywhere? I don't know. I think that makes sense, but I don't know how this works. Have you tried anything to get rid of it? It's never actually tried to hurt me. I'm worried that if I try anything, it'll get more aggressive. Okay, well, then here's what we need to do. I didn't like her plan at all, but I was also desperate to know whether this was all in my head. So I did what Leah said. Because of the time difference, she faked being sick and stayed home from school. When I got home, I Skyped her and we set up my computer to face the kitchen. And then we waited. At a quarter past five, I heard the sound of keys in the lock and then the door opening. My mom walked in and said hi. I had my phone out with my mom's contact ready to dial. I hit the call button and I shoved the phone in my pocket. We waited while the longest seconds of my life ticked by. She turned like she was about to ask how my day went. And then I heard it. From my pocket. A tiny voice I'd recognize anywhere. Whatever was standing in my kitchen, disguised as my mom, looked down at my pocket and then to the open laptop with the webcam light on. There was a quick look of recognition. She looked like she was proud. Like she was thinking, it's about time. And then, just like the old lady I used to dream about when I was a kid, the same sinister smile spread across her face. I turned to the webcam helplessly like Leah would be able to do anything. And when I turned back around, she was gone. And I heard the keys in the door again. My mom walked in the front door. And that's what it did. It fucked with your head. It made you see things that weren't there. Not just to confuse you or torment you. Sometimes it was seemingly pointless. Like the hours my sister spent watching nothing on TV. But it scared the shit out of me. And now it knew that I knew what it was, or at least what it wasn't. I did everything I could not to be home alone after that. I went to friends' houses after school, or I just walked around the neighborhood. But how could I even tell if I was home alone anymore? Something in the house looked and acted like my family members. How could I be sure? Leah saw the whole thing. I was afraid it wouldn't happen. I was afraid she wouldn't see anything and I'd seem crazy, but she saw it. She was recording and it didn't show up on playback. It was just me reacting to nothing. 
but she told me that she saw it. In real time, she saw it. And she described it back to me just like it happened. To this day, that's the only encounter with the paranormal that we can confidently say that we've shared. I made my college plans around getting out of the house. I applied for schools that were too far away to commute. I started college in 2008 and I moved out. I didn't realize how stressed I'd been until I was away from that house. I slept harder than I'd ever slept in that constant low-grade panic that I'd been living with for as long as I could remember. Well, it was gone. I felt relaxed. I felt good. And then just a couple months after I left home, my whole family died. I got out of the shower and I put on a change of clothes. There was a text waiting for me. Tonight's client, Mr. Caddick. He asked if we were still meeting at 9 p.m. I confirmed and double-checked the address and then texted Leah to let her know that the customer had checked in. I laid down and closed my eyes for about 20 minutes until my alarm went off to tell me that it was time to meet her in the lobby. We got a ride to a little restaurant close to the hotel. There was a TV hanging in the corner, the same video of Museum Tower, and a reporter talking about the fire. The sun was going down, so the sky was darker, but otherwise the footage was the same as it had been in the airport. The news anchor reported that the fire was in one of the upper floors. The sprinkler system wasn't operational. The fire had gotten out of control. How do you even fight a fire in a high-rise? Like, do you have to drag the hose all the way up the stairs? I think there's access points in the stairwells, every Mm. few floors, you know, where the the big pipes in the stairwells. Yeah. But if the sprinklers aren't working, do you think those are? I don't know. So they'd have to start at the bottom of the fire, and then they'd have to just keep chasing it up through the building, through these parts that are already damaged. The floors may not hold up under their weight. I don't know. Hopefully it's not that bad. So, are you planning on going to the cemetery or uh, back to the house? Oh, um, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Not this trip. She's trying to be supportive, but I don't want to think about it. No, no, I totally understand. If you decide you want to go, though, I can go with you moral support or whatever or I can leave you alone whatever you want to do well let's see how long it takes if we're in and out real fast maybe I'll swing by you can come too if you want you can can meet my real mom instead of my fake one she cringed at the reference to that day that she saw the thing pretending to be my mom in the kitchen sorry that wasn't cool it's okay I'd love to meet your real mom. There was an awkward silence while she felt guilty and I didn't know how to tell her that she shouldn't. Want to run through the case again? One more time? Yeah, hang on. I'll pull it up. She got her phone out and opened up our company email. So we have a process that we go through when we take on a new case. The customer gives us a brief description of what they're experiencing. We call them and ask them to go through it again with us on the phone. We go through a questionnaire with them. A lot of customers don't understand the full scope of how a paranormal experience can present itself, so they miss things when they tell it. Sure, they'll tell us about things appearing, disappearing, and moving around the house. They'll tell us about whispers they hear at night but they don't think to tell us about the headaches they've been having since it began or any new people in their lives. 
After we've done the interview and the questionnaire, we send a written account back to them in our own words, and we ask them if we're describing it accurately. Now we all know that we're on the same page. We explain all the possibilities we need to rule out before we can say for sure that it's anything paranormal. If we think it's likely to be paranormal, we tell them what we'll do next and we develop a plan of action. There are a ton of legal documents that we have them sign. In this business, sometimes people can panic and when people panic, they can do stupid things like run and fall down the stairs. Our waiver covers everything from plugging our equipment into a bad outlet and starting a fire, right up to catastrophic injury and death. Leah found the file and read the statement out to me. Right. Um, customer is David Caddick, suspected haunting. Uh, the affected address is 2485 Harrison Street, Louisville. It's a rental house. Mr. Caddock is the owner and landlord. He lives off-site. Uh, he's owned the place for 18 months. The affected individuals are primarily his tenants, but he says he's experienced it as well. The characteristics of the suspected haunting include apparitions, figures that appear in the home and impossible places, audible manifestations, including voices and whispers, blah, blah, blah. Affected individuals become disoriented and distressed. He's gone through five tenants in the 18 months that he's owned the property, and they have only accounted for nine months worth of occupancy. Wow. So it's been vacant half the time he's owned it. His main concern is that he can't keep the house occupied and he's bleeding money. Okay, just looking up the address. Uh, It's for rent now. $1,800 a month. So if it's been vacant for nine out of the 18 months that he's owned it, that's that's $16,000. No wonder he's willing to pay so much to get us out here. It's kind of weird that he didn't look for someone local. Oh, there was an article in the paper, like, a couple of years after I left town. Louisville native whose family died under mysterious circumstances moves to L.A. to be a ghost hunter. Catchy headline. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. Now is as good a time as any to tell you what happened to my family. It happened right after I moved out to go to college. If I was still living at home, I might not have made it out either. My sister and I were texting a few nights before it happened. When I was still living there, I told her about the run-ins I'd had with the thing that looks like our mom. It had never happened to her and, and she didn't believe me. But right after I moved out, She started seeing it, too. I told my sister to just go with it. Don't let it know that you know. She'd be out of high school and off to college in another year, too. Maybe after that, we could convince Mom to sell the house, since she wouldn't need such a big place anymore. I should have told her to just get out, to come stay with me, But the house had been harmless up to that point. Scary, but harmless. Two days later, I got a call saying my mom hadn't shown up for work in a couple of days and my sister hadn't been to school. Calls were also made to the police and they came by to do a welfare check. And that's when they found them. It was carbon monoxide poisoning. The police had told me that much on the phone. I talked to Leah that night. Actually, it was the first time that we just picked up the phone and talked. Not on a webcam, not texting or chat, just two voices in two dark rooms on opposite sides of a continent. I never felt that alone. It wasn't until the next day when I drove home that I realized exactly how strange it was. They died of carbon monoxide poisoning, that was true. 
but I'd imagine them going in their sleep, in their beds, just falling asleep and not waking up. But they were in the garage, in my mom's SUV. My mom was in the driver's seat, her hands on the wheel as though she were steering. Her foot was on the gas even though the car was in neutral and the parking brake was on. The car was turned on, but the engine wasn't running anymore. It had run out of gas. In the back seat, my sister sat up with her head leaning against the glass like she was watching something outside the window. The coroner and the police said it looked like they were alert right up until they couldn't be anymore. Until the gas just became too much. They couldn't explain it. There are rare cases of people accidentally doing something like this. Finishing up a phone call in the garage and accidentally falling asleep. Or someone having a medical emergency and losing consciousness with the car running. But mom looked alert. Her hands on the wheel, foot on the gas. She didn't look like she'd just fallen asleep or passed out. She looked like she thought she was driving. Not to mention, my sister would have had to have fallen asleep, too. They'd packed bags. They were in the back. It looked like they were going somewhere. Neither of them had told me about any plans to take a road trip. I think the house got into their heads. I think they thought they were leaving on a road trip. I think, in their minds, they saw trees and little towns fly past on some interstate, on their way to wherever they thought they were going. Except, in the real world, they sat in the car while it was still running, with the garage door closed, and the house filling up with exhaust. I think that's exactly what happened. I stayed in Louisville for four days. There was a funeral to plan. My uncle, her brother, did most of the work setting that up. He took the lead on settling their affairs too. We went to the house and signed everything over to an estate company who would sell it all at auction. I had to sign paperwork and we went through the house and I got everything that I wanted to keep. I spent no more than 10 minutes in there. I never wanted to go in that house again. I knew that it wouldn't hurt me now because it wanted me to see what it did. It felt like, I don't know, it, it felt like it was gloating. I didn't go back to school. Instead, I let Leah talk me into coming to LA for a while. It's not like I hadn't thought about it before. There'd been an open room in the house that she shared with several other people, and I was about to come into enough money to get set up out there. That money would come in handy for something else that Leah and I had been talking about. Starting our own paranormal investigations company. Leah had wanted to do it for as long as I'd known her. And I wanted to figure out what had killed my family. And now, we're glorified detectives. Problem solvers. We're the ones that figure out that the voices you hear in the dark are coming from your air return vents. That that scratching sound is dead leaves in the HVAC system and we make a living at it. We get paid for solving problems, whether or not it's a haunting. 
and neither of us has seen a ghost since. But that was about to change. This was part one of House in the Highlands. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, so that was episode one of 13, the podcast. I hope you liked it. And if you want to hear the second part of the story, head over to their feed and subscribe and listen to uh, part two of episode one. And while you're at it, just, you know, listen to the rest of the stuff that they have. It's great. Um, So thank you again to Ian for uh, coming on the show and having a great conversation. Before we go, we have two new patrons to thank. Uh, thank you. Well, one new patron. Uh, thank you to Suzanne Lee. Thank you for uh, giving us some cash. And thank you to Bacon Bits the Cat, who uh, upped their pledge to $10. You don't have to do that if you want, if you don't want to, but I really appreciate it that you did. So thank you. Uh, we make monthly videos over on Patreon. Patreon that is patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. Uh, so check us out if you want. Uh, we love doing this show for you. We will continue to do it for free, but if you want to throw us some money, we would not say no because we have an employee to pay now. Uh, thank you, Danny, for editing this mess of an episode, but thank you. Um, and if you want to find us for free on the internet, we are on basically every social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find those handles below. You can find us in our Facebook group. This podcast is Haunted Discussion Group. That's where we mostly lurk, so say hi to us there. Um, and uh, that is, uh, that's all I've got for you now. So I will see you in a fortnight. And until then, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers.